Amen. If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Amen. I, there's, there are times that I'll get a song on a CD, and I'll just keep repeat on that song. over. That's one of those songs right there. Man, what a message. What a message. Praise the Lord. And, and uh, Amen. I'm ready to hear it again. But you all want to have lunch sometime today. So let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I think Judy ran out the door before I'd ask. John chapter 1. I put these up here because I keep forgetting to mention uh, the Lake CDs are in. If you haven't got it, I know there were 25 spoken for, and there's still probably 20 here. So not everybody has got those. Maybe you've already paid for them. If not, uh, you can uh, give $12 to Cindy, and she'll take care of that, but we'll get you those CDs. We do it on the honor system. If you say, well, I don't have the $12 today, I'll still give you the CD. You can throw it uh, to us later on. That's fine, and, and, uh, but we want you to get those. So make sure you pick up your Lake CD, and uh, they'll be just, I'll just put them up here on the pulpit. And after the service, if you want one, you can come up and grab one. There are a few extras, and so uh, make sure that everybody that ordered them got them, and then we'll make those available later on, all right? John chapter 1, we're looking at the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, portraits of Christ from the book of John. Last week, we looked at Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We looked at His deity, and this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of Man. John chapter 1, we'll just read one verse together. The Bible says in verse 51, the very last verse, go ahead and turn your page if you need to, and he saith unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful privilege of being in the house of God this morning. Lord, we just heard about the mercy tree, and Lord, it Because of Calvary, everything that we experience in the Lord Jesus Christ has been made possible. The fact that we're saved, that we have an eternal heavenly home, that we can just gather together and sing God's praises this morning. And Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Lord, again, we just want to praise you today for all that you've done for us. Father, we become sometimes so busy with our schedules and so... uh, taken away from the things of God that we need this time to refresh. And Father, I pray that each time we come to the Word and each time we come to the services and sing Your praises, that it would just draw us closer to You and so that we can go throughout our week walking with You each and every day. Father, I need Your help today, and I ask, Lord, that You'd fill me with Thy Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord, as I share the Word of God. May the preaching speak to my heart as much as anybody else. May the Spirit of God help us, we pray. And Father, we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ had burst onto the scene. John the Baptist was speaking of Him and preaching about Him and saying, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We find that also in John chapter 1, but I'm going to save that message for closer to Resurrection Sunday. But after the Lord Jesus Christ baptized and Jesus came again the next day, and the Bible says John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus, he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. A couple of John's disciples turned and began to follow Jesus. They didn't know what to say. How do you approach this one that John was preaching about? How do you go to the Lamb of God? So they just followed him and began to watch. Jesus turned and said to them, What seek ye? 
They said unto him, Rabbi, which is being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? They couldn't think of anything else to say. I mean, how do you break the ice with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? So they just said, where do you live? He said, well, come along and see. And those disciples began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and one of them was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and he went and found Simon and said, we have found the Messiah. We have found the one the prophets have been preaching about. And he brought him to Jesus as well. The next day, Jesus went into Galilee, and there he found Philip, and Philip was there as well, and he saith unto him, follow me, and Philip was from Bethsaida, the Bible says. The Bethsaida means the house of the fishermen, the place of where Andrew and Peter were also from, and Philip found another as well named Nathaniel, and Nathaniel also came and began to follow Jesus. Jesus now has four of his disciples. One of the things that happened with Nathaniel is he didn't know, is this really the Messiah? Is this really the Christ? And so he followed after Philip to come and see, and he said to him, which now is, and when Jesus saw Nathanael coming, he says, behold, an Israelite indeed, and whom is no guile? And Nathanael was puzzled, and he said, do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered, that, that impressed him somehow. He said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. I can almost hear Jesus laughing a little bit when he says, that impresses you? The fact that I knew your name? And he says this, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Nathanael was easily impressed, but Jesus looked at him and essentially he said, you haven't seen anything yet. One day you're going to see the angels of heaven descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. There's a common saying that's been attributed to Mary Antoinette. Mary Antoinette was an Austrian princess who became the Queen of France when she married Louis XVI. Legend says that when she was informed that her subject, these French peasants, were starving because they had no bread, she naively answered, well, let them eat cake. While there's no evidence she ever said those words, the legend lives on and has come to symbolize somebody that is spoiled and overprivileged. Somebody that is completely out of touch with the common man. The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Son of Man tells us that he wasn't out of touch. That he lowered himself to become flesh. That he might be in touch with us. That he would know what it's like to be hungry. That he would know what it's like to thirst. That he would know what temptation is all about, although he was, though he was tempted in all points, he did not sin. He would know what it is like to know sorrow. He stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and he wept with Mary and Martha. He knew what it was like to be flesh and blood. The phrase son of man is used extensively in the Bible. We find 192 times we read it in the Bible. As a matter of fact, 94 times just in the book of Ezekiel. The usage in the Old Testament is almost always in reference to mankind. 
Now this is very important, and I want you to think about this as the Lord Jesus Christ chose this as his title. In Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, we find that God distances himself from the term son of man. He says this, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. God is saying to the people of Israel, I am not a man that I should lie, neither am I the son of man that I should repent. The son of man that I was in servitude to man, that I am below man, that I am the lowest of man, that I, if Adam was created in the image of God, every child after Adam was created in the image of Adam. And we are all sinners by nature because of that likeness to Adam in Romans chapter 5. God says, I am not a man that I shall lie, I am not the son of man that I should repent. The Bible says in the book of Job, it reads this, How much less man that is a worm, and the son of man which is a worm. We sing that great old gospel hymn, uh, that that he should uh, die for such a worm as I. He should devote that sacred head. That he would give his life, that he would bleed for such a worm as I. That is rooted in the book of Job when the Bible says, How much less man that is a worm and the son of man which is a worm. If you read the Bible, you'll find that God puts man at one level, but the son of man he puts below him as his servant, lowly and meek. God distanced himself from that title. Jesus came as prophesied. He was born of a virgin. He was God in the flesh. And by the way, Jesus could have assumed any title he desired. He could have called himself Emmanuel. He could have said to uh, to Nathaniel that day, hereafter he shall have an open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he didn't say that. He could have called himself mighty God, counselor, prince of peace. But the lowly Christ chose the title the Son of Man. Can you imagine as God says, I am not the Son of Man that repents. As He told Job that the Son of Man is but a worm, that Jesus Christ would choose to associate Himself with those titles. What humility. What condescension. How many of you are sitting in your pews just squirming this morning and saying, Preacher, it sounds like blasphemy. It does. When I read the Scriptures in the Old Testament, I could hardly put pen to paper. It hurt me to write out these things. God, are you really saying that the Son of Man is less than a worm, and yet my Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of glory, said, I shall be called the Son of Man. Can you imagine that Christ did that for you? That he took on mortal flesh? That he dwelt among us? I had a picture a couple weeks ago of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. We had, uh, many of you have had plumbing problems. Some of you had plumbing problems this winter because of the freezing. You know, we we have a septic bed out here. and What a wonderful topic for a Sunday morning. And... We noticed that the toilets were not going down. They go real slow, but then sometimes they started rising, and we were getting a little nervous about what's going on. And we called the plumber, and he says, well, the problem is your line is frozen solid from the church all the way out to the tile bed. It's frozen. He says, all we can do is pump out the tanks and just hope that your people respect it. Amen? And so we pumped out the tanks. 
And I thought of that poor fella. I saw Mr. Verboom, his son was down, and he took the lid off that tank, and the fellow that came with the big sucker truck, he came, and those guys, man, they climbed right down in that hole. And I thought, wow, what a horrible job to lower yourself into that filth. And then I thought, oh, what did Jesus do for us? Just lowered himself. It had been 2,000 years since God looked upon the face of the earth and the wickedness of man had come up into his nostrils and he decided that he would destroy the world with a flood. 2,000 years had passed. How much worse was the world now? And Jesus Christ lowered himself into that filth. He became the son of man. He became the lowest of all. He became the one that they would spit upon. That they would mock and slap and pluck his beard and beat his back and nail to a cross. That was the son of man. As lowly as the title was in the book of Numbers, Jesus chose it. As associated with a worm in the book of Job, that is how lowly Christ would become. Ezekiel was a servant sent to the children of Israel, which God called a rebellious nation, and he was called the Son of Man. Why? Because he was chosen to do a dirty job. And that's how Christ associated himself. Come to save the world from their sins. I want you to notice some things about this title today. First of all, He was called the Son of a Man because that's the name of a servant. That's the name of a servant. Son of Man is, in the Hebrew, Ben Adam. The Son of Adam. The Son of Man. Can you imagine, not did he call himself the Son of Man, he called himself the Son of Adam. Romans chapter 5 says that in Adam all have sinned. As sin, one man sin entered the world and death by sin. I'm so thankful the Lord Jesus Christ became flesh like Adam, but he did not have to take on the nature of Adam. He was still God. He was still perfect. He was still sinless. The Son of Man is the name of a servant, and that speaks, first of all, of humility. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, if you will, this morning. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, mark Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and write in the column, and read it later again, the marks of biblical fellowship. If you say, I'm not getting the fellowship that I need, perhaps we're missing on some of these things, and we need to install them in our lives. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal of God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
The title Son of Man is the name of a servant and it speaks of his humility. I want you to notice in verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but but made himself of no reputation. In John chapter 1, we read of the life of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was a wonderful example of humility. The Bible tells us he knew who he was, but he also knew who he wasn't. The Bible tried to, or people of the Bible, the Pharisees and the Jews, they, they tried to exalt John the Baptist as something he was not. He said, I am not the light. I'm come to speak of that light. Later, they would, they would try to uh, install him as the Messiah. And he said, no, I, I am not the word. I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Even still later on, at the end of, uh, of the book of John in chapter 1, we read that he was not the bridegroom. He was just the friend of the bridegroom who rejoices when the bridegroom is receiving his bride. John the Baptist knew who he was, and he knew who he was, and he was a wonderful example of humility. But here's even a greater example of humility. The Lord Jesus Christ knew he was God. The Bible says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It was not robbery for God. By the way, when, when man makes himself a God, that is robbery. God says he is a jealous God and he will not share his glory with another. There are so many false Christs out there today that try to elevate themselves. But God knew he was God. He was in the form of God and he was equal with God. But nonetheless, he made himself of no reputation. What humble thoughts our Lord Jesus Christ always thought of himself. And he called himself the Son of Man. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says this, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The Lord Jesus Christ embodied that verse, that while in the flesh he called himself the Son of Man, the Servant of Man. I'm thankful for Peter in the Bible. Peter made a lot of mistakes. But a lot of times they were well-intentioned mistakes, weren't they? Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. Get thee behind me, Satan. Well, I'll tell you what. I think I'd say the same thing. I mean, I mean, who are we to tell Jesus anything? But when you follow Jesus for three years and you love him like Peter did, you don't want him to go and die. The Lord Jesus Christ in the upper room got down before Peter and he said, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, no, you're not washing my feet. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. He says, then wash my whole body. I'm in. He didn't want Jesus to stoop and wash his feet, but Jesus was the Son of Man. How many of you today, if the Lord Jesus Christ walked in and he said, I'd like to wash all of your feet, good night. I can't, I can't imagine I, I, get, I say to Bethany all the time, Bethany, oh, man, my feet are sore. Would you rub my feet tonight? No, thank you. I can't get her to touch my feet. And yet Jesus washed feet, humbled himself. He was the son of man. He came to serve. I, I just can't help but think how it turns our hearts to think how prideful we can be. When I picture Jesus down at the feet of his disciples, the Son of Man. It subdued his thoughts, it laid aside his glory. The Bible says it may, he made himself of no reputation. 
and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The word reputation, the fact that he had no reputation meant empty and vain. He just emptied himself. Do you know a servant, it is a servant's responsibility to make their master successful. Years ago, working in Port Dover, the grocery store, our boss was a fellow by the name of Jim Elson. And some of you might remember years ago, Roger Berg that was killed in a car accident. He was the manager of the food land in Port Dover. He was just a young man. He was about 25 years old. And a car took him off the road one night and they hit the tree over by the Frederick Motors and he was killed instantly. The boss began to interview for new managers and two or three fellows came through and one was Ray Walker. Many of you would know Ray and he went home to be with the Lord just a few years ago. And he sat down with Jim and Jim asked him the very first question and Ray had been in grocery his whole life. He said, he said why should I hire you, Ray? He says, because I'm going to make you successful. And Jim said, I stood up and I said, you're hired. That was the end of the interview. He says, I could just see the character in the man. That it was his desire not to build a reputation for himself, but instead to make the grocery store successful. That everybody could take part in it. And, and, and it was true. With his experience and his expertise, the, the store grew and began to make money. That's the job of a servant. Is to magnify others. You say, who would the Lord be magnifying when he made himself? He was glorifying his Father. He was pointing everybody to heaven. He was making a big deal of God. And so he made himself of no reputation and he became a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. What a wonderful example that we can see in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to make much of God. That we are to glorify Jesus Christ. It speaks of his humility, but secondly, it speaks of his mission. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, the Son of Man, the name of a servant. Luke chapter 19, in verse 10, says this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm reminded of the story of David Livingston. If you ever get to read his biography, I would encourage you to do so. And of course, David Livingston was a missionary to Africa. Not only was he a missionary, he was a statesman and plotted out maps of the African interior and preached the gospel to the natives for, for many, many years. And after several years of not hearing from them, they were nervous that he was perhaps dead or lost, maybe sick somewhere in a village. And so they sent an emissary. They sent a servant to go and find, and they said, you just go ahead and draw on this account, and if you run out of money, you draw on this account again, and just keep using money until you can find Livingston. It was this emissary's job to go and to seek and to save Mr. Livingston, but it was the job of a servant to do that. The king did not go. The, the head of the mission did not go. It was the job of a servant to seek out Mr. Livingston, and we see in the Lord Jesus Christ that this son of man, this servant, came from heaven to seek and to save that which was lost. To save a man, he came to man. To save mankind from their sins, he became flesh and took upon himself our sin. And he suffered on the cross of Calvary for it. 
But you know, the Son of Man, the name of a servant, it speaks of his humility and it speaks of his mission. But I want to take a moment today and say this, that it speaks of his passion. His passion. I'm reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ as he stood on the hills of Jerusalem and he wept over the people. And how many times do I have gathered together like a hen gathers her chicks, but you won't. And he wept over the soul. He had passion for the lost. A passion to reach the world. But you know, more than that, because he was a servant, this is something that really just blessed my heart this week when I was studying. He just had a passion for people. You know, the very first miracle we read about was the wedding at Cana. Lord Jesus Christ had been called with his disciples, and at that time, I believe he only had the four disciples. And he went to this wedding in Cana. Literally, it's just three or four days after he was baptized. And they left from the Jordan area, and they headed west to Cana, about, about 13 kilometers, and there they would gather for this wedding. And, of course, you know what happened. The wine ran out. So Mary, with that little sparkle in her eye and a sly grin says to Jesus, hey, you know, they've run out of wine. Kind of like a mother does, you know, a little guilt trip. I know you can do something about this, Jesus. He says, woman, by the way, don't call your mother woman. Wade tried that once. (laughs) Woman, what have I to do with thee? My time has not yet come. But what a blessing that just because she asked, he did it. Think about that. Hey, they could have done without more wine. They they would have been fine. I mean, it wasn't a necessity. So many times we think, well, I got to just push aside all my wants and desires. The Lord Jesus Christ says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and All these things shall be added unto you. Listen, I don't believe that everybody ought to drive a Mercedes. I don't think we're that name it, claim it group. I don't think that everybody ought to be rich and have four houses and, you know, 17 car garages and all the I don't believe that. But I, I believe that if we honor God, He gives us the desires of our heart. I believe that if we honor God, He wants to be a blessing to you. You know, I, we, we desire to be a blessing to our children, don't we? We desire to be an encouragement and a help to them. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were out on, on a date, and we just went out. I guess it was Valentine's. We were just walking around, and we saw a tie, and we said, you know, Brendan would like that, and we bought it, and we mailed it down to California. And you say, why? Because we love our kids. We just want to be a blessing. God loves you. He has a passion for you. And the very first miracle we see in the Bible was for no other reason than because he loved his mother and he just wanted to be a blessing. There was no need of it. Nobody was going to die if it didn't happen. It didn't change the course of history. But just because she asked. What a blessing. To know that God loves me and he wants the desire. But, but it took a servant to have that attitude. And Jesus Christ came as the Son of Man. He loved those He served. I want you to know He didn't serve just because God had sent Him. He didn't serve us just because He was commanded to. He served you because He loved you. That's the Son of Man. Secondly, this morning, the Son of Man is the name of a servant, but it's also the name of a Savior. 
The Son of Man is the name of a Savior. In Matthew chapter 18, we already read, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Jesus came. Turn, if you will, to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. There is... It has already been mentioned that the name Son of Man is the most used name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. We see it over 70 times in the Gospels that Jesus Christ would refer to Himself as the Son of Man. But here's the significance. Not only did Jesus present Himself as our servant, He presented Himself as the Savior. Every Jew would understand that he was referring to the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, the Bible says this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Understand that when the Lord Jesus Christ referred to Himself as the Son of Man, every Jewish person that grew up and, and, and learned the Word of God, they would understand that he is referring to the book of Daniel. He is saying that he is the one that was with the Ancient of Days. He is the one that's been given dominion and glory that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. Why is this servant saying that we will one day serve him? It's a wonderful thing that in the family of God we serve one another. The Lord Jesus Christ would serve us, but we would serve him as well. And one day we will... Bow at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what a day that will be when we humble ourselves before our Savior. Turn to John chapter 3 this morning. John chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Lord Jesus Christ is making prophecy to His death upon the cross. He is our Savior. It took his servant to die for us. It was interesting. A few weeks ago, my brother coaches hockey. He coaches his son, Cole. and I, I'm not sure what happened, but I guess they had... I don't know all, all that happened, but I guess they had too many players on the ice at one time. I, you're allowed to have five, and they had... The kids, you know, they're just little kids. They got mixed up, and one was supposed to get off, and he didn't. They had too many guys on the ice. And so the referee blew his whistle. He got looking around and saw, well, hey, man, they got six or seven kids out here running around. So he blew his whistle, and he pointed at the bench at my brother. And he said, that's a bench penalty. Too many men on the ice. Well, who serves that penalty? I mean, do you put all seven players that were on the ice in the penalty box? You can't do that. I mean, there'd be no game left. And so he said, what happens when you get a bench penalty? He says, I have to choose somebody to serve that penalty. And I looked over at Cole, and I said, it was you, wasn't it? And he goes, yeah, it was me. 
And Wade says, well, how do, how do you put some other person's kid in the box? He says, they'll all get mad at me. It's just easier to put my own kid in the box. So Cole went to the penalty box, and he served the penalty on behalf of the team. One has to serve it. I thought that's an interesting use of words when it comes to a penalty. We serve the penalty. Lord Jesus Christ served our penalty. He was the Son of Man. He was a servant. And he said, if I be high and lifted up, one day I'm going to die for your sins. One day I will serve you in the greatest way. I will pay the price for your sins. That brings us to the third thing. The Son of Man was not just the name of a Savior or a servant. It was also the name of a sacrifice. The Son of Man was the name of a sacrifice. He was lower than man in the sense that He was the one that would bear the sins of the many. He would take our sins to Calvary. Turn to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Amen. 10.55. Praise the Lord. This is when Mr. Judge puts the big clock up on the back wall. Matthew chapter 17, look at verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. I'm assuming they were sorry that he would kill them, not that he would raise again. But it seems like the disciples lacked understanding. Many times the Lord would give a prophecy about his death and it would say after that, and when he rose from the dead, they remembered what he had said. But Jesus was the Son of Man because he was our sacrifice. Matthew chapter 20 says this, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Consider this. I want you to think about this this morning. Much of what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished could have been accomplished from heaven. Now, I understand. I'm not trying to twist the Scripture or take anything out of context. I understand that the Scripture would have had to been written in a different way. But let me ask you this. Could could Jesus have chosen to reveal Himself to us without ever becoming flesh? Sure He could. We see that when Jesus was baptized, God opened the heavens and spoke to Jesus as a man. Could Jesus have established his church without coming to earth? Sure he could. Matter of fact, he upholds his church today without being on earth. Through the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to twist scripture or be blasphemous. I understand God would have had to have a different plan altogether. But I'm just saying that Jesus Christ could have accomplished much of what he did without ever coming to earth. Could he have let you know that he loved you? Sure he could have. There there might have been some other way that he could have reached down and touched your life and showed care and compassion. For centuries, people already knew of the presence of God before Christ came. But there is one thing he could not have possibly have done. He couldn't have not been our sacrifice. He could not have died upon the cross without becoming flesh. He could not have submitted himself to the mocking and the torture. He could not have bore the sins of the world 
Unless he was nailed to the cross, he had to become the Son of Man. He had to become flesh. God cannot die unless he becomes a man in the form of the flesh of Jesus Christ. I want you to know this morning that just because Jesus has returned to heaven, just because he's ascended to his Father does not make him any less the Son of Man. Do you know that God is still serving you today? That, that is something that I, I can't completely understand. How the King of kings and Lord of lords would still serve me. But he sent his Holy Spirit to be my comfort. He guides me and directs me and convicts me of sin. Matthew chapter 16 gives us this promise. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. The Son of Man is coming again. He's still serving us. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Acts chapter 7 says this, and said, uh, it's Stephen the deacon, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Listen, the Son of Man is still serving you. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he makes intercession according to the will of God. I love that story of Stephen. I was teasing Brother Vogel this morning. He come down the hallway, and I'm not sure why, but he had, a, I guess, a bulletin or something wrapped up in his hand like that, and when he walked by, he went, good morning, and he kind of thumped me on the forehead. And then he went, oh, I'm sorry, we're not supposed to hit the preacher. And I said, that's okay. I said, I'm just a man. I mean, no big deal. I know you were just playing around. I said, but I want to warn you of something. In Acts chapter 7, they stoned deacons. Praise the Lord. That's scriptural. But as Stephen was being stoned, the Savior that was sitting at the right hand of the Father stood up. The Bible says, I looked into the heavens and I saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. Jesus took notice. And he served Stephen right until his death. We sing that old song, Does Jesus Care? I love that chorus. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. And every day of my life, I can't comprehend it, but he serves me. I don't deserve it, it's grace, it's a gift of God. Now, I'm supposed to serve him. And I look at that and I can't understand why is there a thing that I have that he wants? There's not a thing I can do. It's just filthy rags. But the fact that he serves me, that's grace. He's the Son of Man. And one day he's coming in great glory to receive us unto himself. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for all that you have done for us. Father, I can't understand why Jesus, more than any other title, would call himself the Son of Man. Why would he make himself our servant and humble himself? Father, it's just a thought that perhaps we'll never come to terms with, but at least we can be thankful for. We thank you for your grace that you have extended and expressed to us each and every day. 
I thank you, Lord, that tomorrow when I wake up, your mercies are brand new. And so, Father, we just want to praise you today for what you have done for us. Thank you for Jesus and how you sent him to be the bearer of our sins. Help us, Lord, today to wrap our minds around this incredible thought. May the Spirit of God seal it in our hearts, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and nobody's looking around. He's the one here today to say, <laughs> Preacher, you know, I, I don't know if I know Jesus Christ like that. I understand that He died on the cross, but I've never put my faith in Him. I've never trusted Him. I don't have a personal relationship with Him. You know, Jesus Christ came that you can have life. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can have it today if you'll just put your trust in Him. There's the one say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. Is there one? Is there one? Could I encourage you to just take some time and thank the Lord for what His Son has done for you today? The fact that he has stooped to serve us, to take care of our needs, to bless us. It's all because he loves you.